0: So what do you want for Christmas? Who said that? You may go. (laughs) That's the right answer. I think you're really looking for an encounter with the Lord, aren't you? In the midst of everything else we're going to do, and we're going to do it. (laughs) I think you're looking for an encounter with the Lord, an experience with Jesus, something that Something that you know, something that is real, something that is different than every day, something more intense, more focused, yeah? I mean, you're here not because you want to check off your church box, but because you want to draw close to God, right? I mean, that's why I'm here, that's the only reason I do this, is to be a part of that for you. So last week we started talking about this journey we can make in this season called Advent, church season. Advent means coming, and it's a celebration of the coming of Jesus. And this journey we can make from wherever we are to a place of just rejoicing in the presence, the experiential presence of God. And I asked you if you want to take that journey, and you said, yeah. You said, absolutely. So last week we started by talking about the first candle and the first step in the Advent journey, and it's a candle of... uh, It's a candle of prophecy, and it centers around the word hope. It centers around the word hope, and the concept there is that centuries before Jesus came, Isaiah, among other prophets, was used by God, was used by God to say he's coming. And remember I showed you that Israel was caught in a battle between Assyria and Egypt, and they were caught in the crossfire, and God's word to them was, no matter what it looks like, you can have hope because I'm there. No matter what it looks like, you can have hope because I'm there. But then they had a choice to make. and Their choice was to keep staring at what was happening around them or to put their faith in the unseen and to get their hope. And I showed you last week that this journey from wherever you are to experientially rejoicing in the very presence of God begins by releasing your faith into the unseen, by making a decision that, yes, I believe these things that the Bible says are true. I believe that there is a God in heaven. I believe, I believe that He wants to have relationship with me through His Son, Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is all that He said He was and is, and is all who He said He is and continues to offer Himself. And it's from the release of that faith, that decision to release that faith, that you begin to have hope, that you begin to have that rock-solid sense that this stuff is real. And that begins to change everything, doesn't it? When you have that kind of hope. And so this journey begins with a sense of dialing into the hope of Jesus Christ. And I asked you to spend this week releasing your faith into the truth of the Scripture, releasing your faith into your knowledge of God. And in so doing, just sensing that hope return. Did you do it? If you did, you're on target. If you didn't, you're a step behind. I'm serious about this journey. I'm not just trying to fill up your Sunday morning. I'm serious about taking you on this journey. If I didn't have experience with God, I wouldn't keep going. But I'm here to tell you it's possible, it's possible that what is available to me and others is available to you. It begins by releasing your faith. The second step in this Advent journey, the second candle, is called the Preparation Candle. And just as that first candle celebrated a certain reality of the Advent journey, so the second candle then celebrates a particular step of preparation that was made by God in order to make way for the coming of Jesus. And that was uh, one John the Baptist. You have a Bible, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Look at the first six verses. If you don't have a Bible, I'll be reading for you. You can listen along for sure. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, talks about an essential step of preparation in experiencing God and making a way for Christ to come into your life. Not just as a mental agreement with the creed of the church that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lives a sinless life, etc. All of which is true. But so much more than that mental agreement is a way of making room in your spirit, in your heart, in the essential Core of yourself for Jesus to come in. And you say that's what you want, and I believe you. And so this second step uh, features uh, one John the Baptist, who was used by God to prepare Israel for the coming of the Messiah. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah a voice of one calling in the desert. There's our word, prepare. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. That's the account of John the Baptist being one who was chosen by God to prepare the way for Jesus to come to Israel. And in fact, then, his message continues to us in preparing us to experience Christ and not just go through the season in motion. It starts out, in those days John the Baptist came. In what days? What was happening? What was happening is this. Israel was in national turmoil again. They were now under the thumb of the Romans. We left them last week 700 years earlier under the thumb of the Assyrians who were overtaken by the Babylonians and then they were carried off into slavery for 70 years and came back. And then another empire was between the Babylonians and the Romans, the Seleucid Empire, which essentially brought in the whole Greco-Macedonian, the Greek concept into the civilized world. So that's why the world was Greek. Well, now the Romans are fresh on the scene, pretty fresh on the scene at this time, they're operating, functioning under a police state, so Israel is literally occupied, and they're living under this. In those days, John the Baptist came. In what days? In days of continuing national apostasy, and by that it means that Israel was continuing to turn their face away from God. Israel was continuing not to love God. To, as Isaiah said, honor him with their lips. I mean, they did the stuff, but their hearts were far from them. In those days, John the Baptist came. And John the Baptist was a little unusual, wasn't he? A little eccentric. John's clothes, verse 4, were made of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist. Where did that come from? Well, what you'll see is throughout the history of Israel, in times of national apostasy, God will raise up someone rather unique to get their attention. In fact, if you look back in First Kings chapter, no, Second Kings chapter one and about verse six, you'll see that Elijah was one who wore a camel hair on the outside and a leather belt around his waist. And if you look at the other, some of the other prophets, if you look at Isaiah in chapter twenty, he went around naked for three years. That's a little unusual. Not exactly somebody you want to invite to, as a speaker to your youth conference, probably. And you look at Ezekiel and all his odd visions and the way that he did this and laid on his side and the other side, all to be used by God to get the attention of Israel. And so in times of national apostasy, God will raise up unusual people to get their attention. They don't fit in with the mold. They don't seem like normal prophets. Sometimes they're not nice. And so John the Baptist came and he was in that line to get the attention of the people that God loved who were paying no attention to him. What was his message? He was there used to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, and his message was repent. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Repent. That the necessary step in preparing ourselves for the coming of Jesus is to repent. Repent. And this message carries through to today. That it, repentance is the primary, essential step we must take in order to prepare ourselves to experience God. Did you hear that? Repentance is the primary and essential step that we must all take in order to experience God. And so you're sitting there week after week and you're saying, I want to experience God. You say that God can be experienced. Okay, I put my hope in Him. I put my faith in Him. I'm there. What do I do next? Repent. Repent. Repent and turn to God, Acts 3.19 says. Repent and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That contingent on the experience of having this time of refreshing with the Lord that you seek is your repentance. And maybe the very thing that's standing in the way of you actually experiencing God. Repent. Repentance is the primary step that we must take and take authentically if we want to experience God. And if you're coming week after week after week after week or day after day after day and are not experiencing God and are about to throw up your hands and say, I guess it's just for some and not for me, let me ask you this. Have you repented? Have you repented? Repent what does that mean? ask me I'm really glad you asked I think the reason that we we start to stiff arm when somebody says repent is because of the ill kind of the, the disrepute that the word has fallen into so often we've heard that word repent in some kind of a used in some kind of a manipulative way to cause us to feel bad about ourselves repent Ron, if you could stop being such a bad person, then maybe God would love you. Isn't that the way the word repent often comes? Repent! That if you could just stop doing all the stuff that is so obviously sin, then God would love you. But he can't love you like that, Ron. Repent! (laughs) That's the way that word comes off. I want to rescue that word for you. Repent. Repent means to stop looking at whatever you're looking at and look at God. That's what it means. It means to stop looking at whatever else you're looking at and turn full face into God. That verse I said, repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see, it's not about Ron getting it all together. It's about Ron pointing his face in the right direction, which it is. And that's why you experience God. Say, show me, Tom. Beg me. Say, I don't quite understand. Could you draw it for me? (laughs) You might as well play along. I'm going to do this. Okay, high tech here this week. So this is God, and he loves you. How do I know he loves you? Because <laughs> you're in the world. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. So just by virtue of being a part of the world, God loves you. There you go. Okay. So here's you, right? Can that be you? Please. Bigger. Bigger. Oh, okay, never mind. Okay. So the thing is, is that we have available to us, let's say, a 360-degree field of vision, right? We can look pretty much anywhere we want. We can do a full circle in our looking. And it's where our eyes are that determines our experience with God. And so when our eyes are here, then we experience God. It's when our eyes are focused in this direction that we experience God. Repenting means to stop looking wherever else we may be looking. Wherever else we may be looking. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are plenteous distractions to keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Just distractions. How many of you, like me, just go, oh, I forgot to look at Jesus. I... How did I get here? And suddenly you're just distracted in one way or another. Repent. Repent. Okay? Look back at Jesus. The Bible says turn your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Okay? Sometimes we have a whole quadrant of ourselves, which is like pride, vanity. And we find ourselves just so concerned about ourselves and about everybody's approval, yadda, yadda, yadda. You ever get caught in that loop? Raise your hand if you have. Okay. Repent. Look back to God. Because then that stuff doesn't matter anymore, does it? Okay. There's the whole issue of sin, of chronic, habitual sin. I'm not talking about incidental sin I'm talking about those cycles of addiction that we can get into that are clearly sinful. They're clearly destructive. And they have a full range of possibilities, do they not? Physical, emotional, full range of possibilities. Things we can allow ourselves or somehow become addicted to that cause us to fall into patterns of chronic sin. Well, when we're looking at that, we're not looking at God. Repent. It doesn't mean stop doing that. What? It means look at God and receive the power of His Holy Spirit to set you free from doing that. That's an incredible difference. We have our wounding, yes? Anybody wounded? Yeah. There are people in here who are the subject of all kinds of trauma. All kinds of terrible trauma in this room. Terrible things that I don't even want to list out. If you can think of it, there's probably somebody in this room who's the victim of it. And that creates a gaping wound in us, doesn't it? And that kind of wounding can become, uh, we can really become obsessed in our wounding. That's who I am. I'm the victim of what? I'm the victim of this kind of abuse or that kind of abuse. This happened to me, therefore I am that now. And I'm characterized by that. And we spend our time looking at the wounding, and sometimes with good intention of hoping that it will become healed, but we just concentrate on the wound to the point that we're not looking at the healer. Repent. There's another possibility, I suppose, and that's if you're 180 degrees turned away from God, we could call that full-scale rebellion. I don't care about God. I don't even believe in that stuff. I'm in rebellion. God is behind me. I'm looking everywhere. I can't see God. (laughs) He's behind you. He's behind you. My son Brian and I were talking this week and he told me about a church that he saw that has a sign. And he says, I'm sure they're wonderful people and they don't mean anything other than what it means. There's a sign right at their driveway that says no U-turns. And I'm sure they've had semis come in and tear up their parking lot and stuff like that so they don't want people making U-turns. I said, we should put up a sign here that says U-turns welcome. Please U-turn. U-turn. Repent. What do you mean stop doubting? Stop rebelling? Just turn around and see if it's true. See if God will meet you there. Repent. It kind of doesn't really matter whether you're full scale rebellion or just distracted, it's the same result. You're not going to experience God because you're not looking at God. Now, what happens when we repent and we look at God? is this this is loving God Bible's clear God loves us loving God and we turn to him and we experience his love listen you cannot experience the love of anyone until you turn full face to them you can't experience the love of someone by just staying shoulder to shoulder you've got to turn face to face And that's how it is with God, I believe. He wants us to turn face to face because when we do, even with all this other stuff going on, when we do, the Bible says there's one mediator between man and God and that's the man, Jesus Christ. And so His love is poured out on us, not condoning all this other stuff, but His love is poured out on us through His Son, Jesus Christ, gives us the power of the Holy Spirit To begin dealing with all of that stuff. And the word repent has so often fallen into, you know, just get your stuff together, Ron. Stop doing that. And you'll, well, no wonder you're not experiencing God. You're such a schmuck. Stop being a schmuck and you'll experience God. And I know you guys try so hard, don't you? You try so hard to be schmuckless. But it just keeps coming around. It's like, but I can't. I know. And so repent. Turn to God. Turn to his face. So the rest is up to you. I can only do this for me. The rest is always up to you. You want Jesus for Christmas? Yeah? Are you willing to repent? To turn away from your sin, turn away from your wounding, turn away from whatever important thing in your life. I'm not minimizing it. Has your attention. Because whatever else has our attention that isn't God is an idol. It's an idol. And will absolutely suck the life out of experience with God. Repent. Turn full face to the God who loves you. I asked you last to spend the week in faith, releasing faith. Releasing faith should be creating an appetite for experience with God. God, if you're real, if all this is true, I want to know you. I want to experience you. Okay, then we need to turn away from whatever the thing is that has our attention and look at God. Father in heaven, in this place, we come now and we want to just spend some time in repentance. Just spend some time in repentance. Well, we are sorry for our sins, but we know that even repenting with tears didn't get Esau anywhere. We're sorry. That's not it. We need to look through our tears and look through our remorse and find you in the cross between us. Lord, the devil's tricky here. I know it. I know the devil is really tricky with us and causes us to cherish things that have no way to receive our affection, but only just keep sucking life from us. And Lord, you know my heart. I want every person to experience you to whatever degree they are ready, you know, and whatever the, what, however they thirst for you, I want them to find you today. So, Lord, would you just show us, by the ministry of your Holy Spirit in this room, would you just begin to bring to our awareness those things that we're looking at, staring at, that aren't you? Would you look at, show us what we're really idolizing that isn't just raw relationship with you? Lord, we want our lives to flow from loving relationship with you. We are fully convinced that we do not have it within us to live perfect lives. And so we want to see you through the cross of Jesus for you to come and be perfect in and through us. Get our attention today, Lord. Just turn our attention to you. I know that you can fight your own battles. If everyone would just look at you, you will persuade everybody of who you are and what you want to do in their lives. And so I just pray, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would show us anything that we are staring at that isn't you. We just pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.